Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm joined today by an amazing woman and I don't just say that because she's a fellow chocoholic. I say it because, so she's a fantastic, she's a mum of three and being, um, being a mum of three, she's also really passionate about working with mums and mums-to-be to empower them to give birth on their terms. So I'd like to welcome today Kate from Bright Mums who is a doula. Thank you. Thank Great you so much. Here. Thanks for so much for coming and chatting with me today. So before we get started, can you tell me what a doula is? Absolutely. Um, a doula is a non-medical support person, mm-hmm. supports women and their families during pregnancy, birth and into the postpartum period. So I work both as a birth and postpartum doula. So there to provide continuous support so throughout the labor we we don't work in shifts we don't go mm. home at the end of a eight hours um, just when it gets to the pointy end of yeah. it okay <laughs> well <laughs> off now I'm out. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> um, providing physical emotional comfort and support for mums and also being there for their families as well and for their partners because it can be a long journey so making sure they are looked after for the duration mm. yeah yeah so how long have doulas been around? Oh, in the role that we do, forever. Yeah. It's, it's very much a women's business and it's been – women have always supported women mm. in some capacity. Yeah. Um, the term doula is much newer. So I, I think as well though, the, the you know, sort of my children are heading, you know, they're – a bit older now mm. and when I was having my babies it wasn't talked about anywhere near as much as it is now so if you go back sort of to the you know 1700s or something like that there was always you know women went off together for the children to be born but then that sort of stopped yeah we sort of lost the village mm. I think yeah most definitely yeah and it became I guess in our almost our parents time it became more normal for the partners step, to step into that space and for women to do it alone. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's almost like we lost the village yeah. and lost that support. Um, so it's coming back to trying to bring back the village, yeah. I guess. Um, the term itself is only a more recent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly doulas are – the use of a doula is gaining popularity again. Yeah. Well, I guess we're starting to realise the importance of the village. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I think that – so we talk about the fact that it takes a village to raise a child and yet we live in a society where we don't necessarily have it. So this is one way that we can, you know, we can start to reintroduce that idea of having that village to support us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost passing on that knowledge, mm. the knowledge that we've lost in the loss of the village Yeah, um, and being there as that support and that elder or, you know, wise woman for want of a better term um to support those families during birth and into the postpartum because that need for a village doesn't change it doesn't go away no so I actually didn't realize that doulas did support women in the postpartum period Mm. as well so um just just in case postpartum period means the time after someone has had a baby that's right yes Uh, and yeah so I was talking about this with some colleagues recently that I think becoming a parent is one of the biggest roles that you can take on and it's the one that we do with absolutely zero training. (laughs) Exactly right. And I think how much, you know, when I was having my children and when I speak to other women, 
you read all the books on pregnancy and birth. Yes. Now, the reality is that baby's coming out one way. There are two ways that that baby can come out. One way or the other, it's coming out. And yet we then go into this thing of you take a baby home. What do you do with it? Exactly right. <laughs> it's almost like we, we talk about birth as being a marathon and yeah. like we treat that as the finish That's line. That's the finish line. That's the yeah. start <laughs> line. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, I think it's Dr. Oscar Serilac who talks about it as being the warm-up. Like that is the starting line. Yeah. We need to be considering what happens afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was speaking to someone recently and she said she got, you know, probably a five-day-old baby and she was surrounded by family who had all got children. You know, these were sort of older aunties that she was with. And the baby started crying. And so the lady who was holding the baby goes, oh, we'll, we'll give baby back to mum. And mum's there going, well, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> like, You've had babies yeah, before, can't you? Fix it. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's exactly it. We just yeah. don't, yeah, we don't have the training for it. So great no. to have somebody who can be there to actually support women and, well, women and, you know, their families yeah. with how to, how to look after this tiny little being. Exactly right. And um, I often say that babies don't come with manuals. They, no, it's a they real just shame, don't. Isn't it? <laughs> and it doesn't look anything like the Huggies ad either. It really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I finish that off with a, but what they do come with is you. Yeah. So it's then about um, working with women to tap into that mothering instinct, to give them the tools to learn how to care for their their yeah. babies without having to rely on a manual because there just isn't one and it's interesting that you say to tap into that instinct because I think that you do have to learn how to do that as well so the mothering instinct doesn't just switch on because no. a baby's shot out of you or you know <laughs> exactly right so you do have to learn what how to listen to your body and how to you know how to know what you're supposed to be listening to and and also when you're perhaps overthinking things yeah, exactly right. It is, it's a transition and mm. it doesn't just happen and it takes time. And you know what? You're probably going to make a few mistakes and that's okay, but that's how you learn to yeah. then tune into your baby, your body, what everyone and everything is telling you. Mm. Yeah. And do what's right for you, not what a book says, yeah. because the book isn't you and the book isn't your baby. Yeah. Um, so we're. I definitely want to come back to this, but yep. if we just step back, how did you, how did you become a doula? Like, what made you go? I actually want to spend my life supporting other women as they bring children into this world. Um, it probably have to go back at quite a few steps. Mm -hmm. So, my oldest daughter is now seven, seven and a half almost, and her birth was it was a really challenging birth. Mm. It was um, ended up being quite traumatic, and it took me a little while to to get over that. Um, and it was sort of, it was that and wanting to do things differently for my second baby yeah. that led me down the um, the path of childbirth education. Mm -hmm. So I became a hypnobirthing Australia practitioner. So I work with women in the education space. And I, I've just felt that there was something more I needed to be doing. So mm -hmm. education is one thing, but being there to support them in that journey yeah. was something else I wanted. Um, and then it was just about waiting for the right time because I did then have a third baby um, so it was I needed that time for her to be a little bit older for me to feel comfortable I guess getting out of the house at all hours of the, the yeah. day and night and leaving them alone well not alone but without me yeah um, yeah so it was wanting to provide that education and that support that probably I missed out on and mm. I didn't have 
Yeah. yeah. And that was actually one of the questions that I was going to ask you. So you've got three children mm. and so there's seven down. Yes. How do you cope with being out? So as you said, you don't leave at the end of an eight-hour shift and go, all right, I'm checking out, somebody else is coming in now. You're there for the long haul and labours, they can go on a bit. Yeah, they can. I'm very lucky I've got a good support system mm-hmm. around me. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky in that I... I've got a village that can step in when it needs to be. So there'll be messages at sort of five o'clock in the morning going, I'm not going to be home in time to do school drop-off. Yeah. And somebody yeah, else somebody needs to get else the kids <laughs> to school. Yeah. If somebody can make Please, sure they're up and dressed, that'd, that'd be great. Be great. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband is brilliant and really is the village, but I've got my parents who live close by. And yeah. um, I know that if you know I'm potentially going to be at a birth for a while, I try and plan things ahead yeah. of time so that even if I don't need the plan yeah it's that's there. It. It's there anyway yeah yeah and what so what is the longest birth that you've been at um the longest I've been with a mum has been about 24 hours oh. yeah which is it's long mm. and, and it takes a while to recover yeah um and that, do you get to sleep at all during that um during those I sort of nap where yeah. I can but it's really about being being there, there. yeah being with exactly yeah. right so often I'll, I'll talk to the mums I'm working with and, you know, if I can go into them when they're in that more active, established yeah. labour mm-hmm. um, rather than being there from <laughs> the outset. From the induction or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then it could be days. Yeah. It really could. So it's about being there when they really need that support. Mm. And if it is going for days, then I can duck in and head home yeah. for a bit, get some rest and yeah. then go back in. But yeah. I'll try and yeah. sleep when mum sleeps. Exactly on right. On the couch. <laughs> yeah. Or tag team with a, the partner. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, so with that, I'm wondering if um, – so I guess what I've when I've heard people perhaps making disparaging remarks about the idea of having a doula in the room, it's been around the, well, that's the dad's role. And so I guess what I'm – what I hear and what I feel when I, um, when I hear those kinds of things – is well actually the dad doesn't have that training either. No. How many times has he supported? You know, if this is a first baby, even if it's a third baby, how many times has he supported somebody through labour? And does he know how to do that? And how do we empower dad to be able to do that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I'm very clear about with the couples that I work with is I'm not there to take the place of the partner. Mm-hmm. That is not my job. Um, if there is a partner there or another birth support person, whoever that is they are together first and foremost as the team yeah and then i'm there almost to support the pair of them yeah so it's being there for that support for the the partner when they're going i don't know what to do now Mm. (laughs) i've run out of tricks i i don't know what to do next or what what happens if we do this or what will be the next step if we agree to that yeah or when they're exhausted because they've been up for 30 hours with yeah the mum yeah Um, so I guess part of it as well, uh, one of the things that we hear around the positives of having a doula in the room is that the mum's wishes can be held. And sometimes when you're in the thick of things and, you know, there's this idea around the doctors being the experts and so we have to listen to what the doctors say. So sometimes parents perhaps don't feel that they're able to question when um, suggestions are being made. And so is that when that's somewhere that you can step in to kind of help them be able to question why those why those options are being suggested and, you know, are they medically necessary, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Um, and it's probably one of the things that I focus on most is 
firstly the education around it in mm-hmm. the first place so that they can go in well armed and it's not mm. a case of hearing things for the very first time when they're in labour because yeah. it's a different um, headspace. So yeah. to go in well armed but then to be there reminding them during the birth of this is what you wanted, yeah. this is now what's being suggested, how do you feel about what's being mm. suggested, do you want to stick with what you wanted in the first place or are you happy to change paths yeah and here's some things to consider within that yeah so i don't ever step in and say um i'm sorry that was not part of the yeah. plan. <laughs> <laughs> like this is it's not my decision to make yeah um it's absolutely um the mum's decision and the couple's decision uh, but i'm there to support that decision whatever it looks like and if they completely change their mind then i'm there to support that yeah yeah, fab. And I guess also remind them afterwards that they made the decision that was right for them at the time yeah. and not to feel guilty about, you know, changing that plan when Abs- they did. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And that, again, comes down to that just being prepared and being educated so that you know in the moment you can make the best decision for yourself and your baby yeah. without feeling pressured into doing something that mm. you didn't want to do. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's almost... Almost like just that holding space for them yeah. rather than making decisions on their behalf. Mm. Yeah. And can you share like an example of when you have found like, you know, like a really positive example of something being in the room with someone and um, them being able to have a good outcome because you were there? Just, I don't trying to think of how to answer this without taking the credit it's not my <laughs> <laughs> um it i'm there to support them mm-hmm. um w- but not i don't what am i trying to say um it's not my doing that they've had a good experience like it comes from them as well yeah um but yes absolutely where plans have changed because birth is unpredictable mm. there is no controlling birth at all <laughs> you just can't no nope. um be awesome if we could i know right? <laughs> it's so different yeah um but just where we've been able to create a situation for that mum and that couple to give them space to make a decision to then for one couple they just kept pushing back on the um the suggestions from the the medical team until they got to a point where they knew it was right for them yeah but they've felt their words felt more comfortable doing that because they knew that they had I guess that sense of space and safety around them to be able to make the best decisions for Mm. themselves I think it can be really easy when you you know you're caught up when you're the person who's laboring and you're caught up in the moment and the pain and you know that kind of thing and your partner just wants to try and support you in the best way they possibly can and the medical team are saying well this needs to happen it can be it's very difficult to go okay well you know while I'm in this pain with contractions every three minutes and I think that somebody's trying to rip part of me you know in half can we just sit down and have a logical conversation around why this needs to happen now and you know is it safe to wait that yeah, kind of exactly thing? it's hard to get in that it really that mindset yeah. yeah and we find partners have the best intentions mm. but they often want to rescue and to that's yeah, it to fix to fix yeah exactly right mm. and if there is the option of an epidural yeah. um to you know get rid of the pain and fix everything then often it's what's jumped at by everyone else yeah whether it's and that can be then really tricky if you're the mum who doesn't want that but your partner's pressuring you and the hospital stuff not pressuring 
suggesting in a supportive kind of way, yeah. but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then everyone, you go, well, why am I the only one that's trying to say I don't want this? Exactly right. So a lot of what I do is just asking the question, mm. how do you feel about yeah. what's being suggested? Do you understand what's being suggested or talked about? Do you understand why it is that the next intervention is being yeah. talked about? Um, so, yeah, you can at least make that decision from a place of information and mm. not just being pressured into yeah, something. Yeah, that's it. And I think just that does give people the space to go, actually, just give me a second while I work out what is it that I want rather than what am I hearing that everybody else needs and I'm feeling the need to make it okay for everyone else. Exactly right. Mm. Um, and it's about creating that space. If the couple don't feel confident to do so then I can help create the space for that to happen yeah maybe they need to go to the toilet for a couple of minutes to yeah. you know get out and or get into it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just have that time yeah and tune into what they're feeling and what their intuition is saying rather mm. than just being pressured into whatever decision they're looking at yeah um and so how long have you been a doula now um only since I was trying to think of what year it was. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, I know. Uh, what day is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been since last year. Ah. So, oh, tricky. Yes. Yeah. Um, 2020 and the year of not having doulas in yes. the bed space because of COVID. Mm. Um, but I, thankfully, being in Perth, we um, we didn't bear the brunt of that quite as much as. The rest of the other states, other states or countries. Yeah. Um. So it was the the last half of last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks as though from your face at the moment, it looks as though you're loving that. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is it obvious? Is it? Uh, Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It certainly looks as though you find it a really rewarding career. Yeah. It is. It is. It's got its challenges. Um, Yeah. Being on call can be tough. Oh yes. Um. Is that that was the other thing I was going to ask? Like. How do you go with being on call because it, you can't go too far? No. So, I mean, I guess that's one blessing we've had is you can't go well, too that far. That is true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I generally go on call from about 37 weeks yeah, onwards. about 42. Until about 42 weeks. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we don't go too far. But it does mean that, you know, um, for example, I'm, I won't take any clients on in July because we're planning on going yeah. away. So I just have to balance that. Yeah. Um, other than that, I just try and live life as normal because yeah. I can't be stuck at home on my phone for the five weeks yeah. I'm waiting <laughs> for yeah. someone to have a baby. It just because WA is a big state. It is, so you you know you can't be four hours away or that no, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly oh. right. So we, I do have to plan out my year, yeah, and then um, work with mums or not work with them so we can have a bit of time away as a family as well yeah that's it and around trying to make sure that you're less likely to be called out around your children's birthdays and things like that exactly right Mm. yeah or you know during school holidays and (laughs) all those things that you have to consider yeah yeah Yeah, that's it really Mm. tricky um so you spoke about kind of the 2020 the year of doulas not being allowed in the hospitals Mm. and i think earlier this year we had a um, you know, we had a time here in Perth where they were saying that at one of our hospitals, doulas aren't allowed in. Um, and I think definitely around other states in Australia, mm. there's been issues where parents are having to choose, well, mothers, birthing mothers are having to choose whether they have their partner in there or whether they have a doula in there. So I guess I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. 
it's really hard on those couples. It's really hard on that on that mum, on that birthing mother to have to make that choice because some of the time for them it would be no question they want their partner, mm. absolutely no question. Other times it might be my partner doesn't know how to provide that support, isn't confident having those conversations that yeah. I need them to be able to have. Um, they don't know what to do or maybe they're scared. So that's why they're bringing in a doula in the first place mm. and now they have to make a choice between having the partner there yeah. or having a doula there who can support them through all of that mm. but isn't family. And it's so hard because not only do you have to make that choice but then to have to have that conversation with your partner as well. Yeah. Like so tough. Yeah. And, you know, the other side to that is it's potentially their child as well. Yes. So to say, well, actually, I'm really aware that this is a huge milestone in your life, but actually right now I need to look after me. So you have to miss out on witnessing your child come into the world. That's right. And it's not even just the birth with the restrictions around visiting yeah. hours and being on the maternity wards. There's big chunks of time in those first couple of days yeah. where families are just missing out on being together. Yeah, and I mean, even, you know, go back 18 months, when you had a baby, everyone can come and visit. That's right. And everybody does come and visit. Yeah. And it's one of the, you know, it's one of the most, it's not one of the most exciting things about having a baby, but it is certainly something people look forward to, yeah. being able to show off their new baby. And that's not getting to happen. No, and for some families, it's they're not even being able to meet older brothers or sisters. Yeah. They're missing out on that that initial meeting of siblings until maybe they're home and if there's been complications, if they're in hospital for any length of time, then that's – it can be days or, or weeks. weeks. Yeah. That's just devastating. I can't – I sort of can't fathom that. So no. my um, – I, I had a very similar terrible experience with my first child and second wasn't that much better. Third ended up having to have a medically necessary cesarean – I had medically mm. necessary cesareans with all of them. Um, but we knew with my third baby that it was going to have to be a Caesar. And we knew what time I was going in and we called as we were going in and my mum had my two older children there. So as soon as I came oh. out of recovery, my older children were there to meet their baby sister. They didn't know. They didn't know I was having her that day. So they yeah. came in and it was a surprise. Oh, that's beautiful. It was really lovely. Yeah. Uh, but they were there literally from the moment we were out of recovery. They were able to be there and then my parents were able to come in. You know, like it was just that sharing the village that's it yeah. and being able to share the excitement and the joy and the love and all of that and it's just devastating that parents are missing out on it it is really hard and it's not fair on them there is um yeah families everywhere having to make really tough decisions yeah yeah it really does suck um how do you think so obviously you're working with parents in the postpartum mm. period as well how do you think that not being able to have their family there and not being able to share that in the way that we would have done 18 months ago how do you think that's impacting families I think for a lot of them it's overwhelming it's often almost traumatic mm. because they've had that support system taken away yeah basically um, we've got mums who are often healing from birth mm. however baby comes that's out it. there's that healing mm -hmm. journey um, we've got mums trying to breastfeed and who mm. would need the extra support. Mums who potentially can't even get up out of a bed yeah. to pick up their baby mm -hmm. and now they're having to do it alone. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. Mm. And so I, I am having three medically necessary mm. seizures. I, you know, do see a very big um, reason to have babies in hospitals. 
Yep. Otherwise, I would have died with my first baby. So definitely there's a reason to have babies in hospital. Mm. But I know that it is leading to parents thinking that they're going to have home births. Yes. But also, um, I think that there's kind of this idea that birth shouldn't need to be medical. Medical. And so getting parents home as quick, getting new mums and their babies out as quickly as possible. But establishing breastfeeding, it's not easy. So <laughs> It's not. Um, so And so because we're not able to have family and um, friends and, you know, small children going to the hospital to visit, I'm wondering if people are leaving the hospital sooner and how that's impacting their ability to breastfeed as well with absolutely no support at all. Yeah, absolutely. And people are leaving hospital earlier to get mm. home um we've also seen an increase in the number of home births because they just yeah. want to be home where they know they've got people around them mm-hmm. but i don't think we're set up as a system for new parents new mums going back mm. into the home earlier and look some of the hospitals are brilliant at supporting breastfeeding others are getting there they need to there's still some room for improvement still some room for improvement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But there is something. So, yeah, we need that support afterwards, which we just don't have the systems in Mm. place for unless um, the the mums are bringing in someone else. Yeah. Like a doula or or if they've been working with midwives who can then go out and visit or they've got, you know, they're able to, they're in the position to bring in a lactation consultant. Yeah. Yeah, so. and and I was just going to um, talk about that with the idea of having the lactation consultant. And I know that there are some uh, there are some child health nurses that are lactation yes. trained as well. Um, and through King Eddie, there's obviously the lactation consultants that people can go and access there. Um, but we don't see people breastfeeding, no. you know. So we hear a lot about how important it is to breastfeed our babies, but there's not much in the way of role modelling for that. There's absolutely not. And this is something I I talk about when I um, teach my childbirth education Mm. is for something that is so natural, it doesn't come naturally. No. And And it's because we don't see it. Again, it comes back to that village which we've lost. Mm. I remember breastfeeding my first and it was, oh my goodness, it was such a a journey to establish that. And I reckon it probably took us 12 weeks before we, we finally got there. And upon reflection, I'd never seen anyone breastfeed. No, no not had, at all. Same same thing. And I hadn't seen anybody breastfeed at all. And there was just this idea that, oh, well, it's okay to breastfeed, but make sure either it's not in public or it's discreet. Make sure everything's, everything's covered. covered. And now I'm not one to walk around and, well, actually once when I was feeding my son, I did accidentally flash an entire neighbourhood, but I was very <laughs> sleep deprived at the time. <laughs> We've all done it. Yeah, that's it. We've, we have all done it. Um, but I'm not one to walk around and flash everyone everything on no. purpose. But at the same time, I'm feeding a child here. And it's not what you're doing. When you're breastfeeding, yeah. you are not walking around flashing everyone for the sake of yeah. flashing. You are feeding your child. Yeah. But there's such a stigma around breastfeeding in yeah. public and so much pressure to not show anything. Yeah. So we've lost, There's like you said, there's no role modelling. Yeah. We've lost that. I remember when I had my son um, and I was walking around Ikea and, you know, just – and I was just feeding him as I walked around Ikea. Next level breastfeeding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there was a – so there was a man who was working and a teen boy who was working and the man who was working made the teen boy come over and ask whether or not I would like to be shown where the parenting room was. 
And I was like, oh. well, firstly, that's not okay. Like, it's not okay that the bloke didn't feel comfortable coming yeah. and asking me and made a teen boy do it. Uh, and I was like, no, no, I'm fine, thank you. And he's going, but we've got a parenting room with a door. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, I'm fine. He's fine. See how he's quiet? Yeah, everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was just absolutely mortified. And this man's going, but she can't walk around feeding a baby. I was like, well, it's mm. better than the alternative. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but it's just a constant message that yeah. we hear. Yeah. yeah, and I remember seeing there was a, another small child there who was just staring. And the mum's going, oh, don't look, don't look. I was like, well, honestly, you couldn't see anything. Yeah. My son had a big head. <laughs> <laughs> So you couldn't see anything at all. But actually, what's wrong with children seeing somebody breastfeed a child? How do we teach our... I've got three daughters. How do yeah. we teach our daughters how to feed their kids yeah. if they don't get if to see it? they don't see it. Yeah. That's exactly it. And we do hear how important it is to breastfeed our children. So surely we actually need to see that because like mothering instinct, breastfeeding isn't natural for probably most of us. Yeah. I'd say for some people, sure, it does come easily, but for quite a few of us, it's tricky. It takes some learning. It's mm. a learning journey for you and your baby. And the baby. That's yeah. exactly it. Because it doesn't come, you know, I, I see these videos where they put the baby on the mum's stomach and the baby wriggles up and just lashes on and feeds. That was none of my three kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they, they do have that natural instinct to yeah. do it, but then we interfere yeah. so much in that process mm. in that first couple of hours after birth where yeah. we should be supporting that natural process, yeah. but we interfere and people get in the way and yeah. mum and baby are... Way and clean uh, and all of that exactly. kind of stuff. We, we disrupt mm. nature's process. So we lose that to a degree. Yeah. Um, and then we, aren't, we've, we almost need to unlearn what we've learned and just go back to yeah. that instinctive side. Mm. We need support to do that. Mm. So I'm guessing that's – is that part of the way that you support parents in the postpartum period? In the un- unlearning? Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. To not rely on a book or yeah. Google or – Or a Wonder Weeks app. <laughs> <laughs> Which, quite honestly, is a really terrible name for it. They're not Wonder Weeks. They wonder why I had a baby week. So. <laughs> exactly right. But yeah. just to f- – Listen to what your baby is telling you. Mm. Listen to what your body is telling yeah. you. And to really start to pay attention to you as that mother-baby dyad and what's happening in yeah. that space. That's yeah. it. And listen to what your body's telling you. Sleep. Oh, sleep. Yes. yes. And I think this idea that, oh, while baby's sleeping, I better clean the house. No, no. So wherever your standards for cleanliness are now, drop them about 10 rungs have a look around, drop them another 10 rungs and maybe settle there exactly till they're about right. 16. <laughs> As a mum of a three-year-old, almost three-year-old, yes. Yeah, yeah. My but youngest is eight, so I've still got eight more years before I've got to start lifting my game. <laughs> it's so true. We've got this idea of superwoman that yeah. we should be able to do it all. Yes. And because we can, we should yeah. be doing it all. Mm. But yeah, I so agree with you. I think, you know, we get this idea that with equality, there's nothing that women can't do. The thing is, have you ever seen men be in a situation where they're expected to do it all at once? Exactly you know, right. Just because they can doesn't mean they do it all at the one time. So why is it as women, we feel like we need to be having our career at the same, you know, working as though we don't have children, raising our children as though we don't have a job, making sure we're volunteering, are we on the PTA, is our house clean? Like all of these things that we have to do all at the same time, 
it's just we put so much pressure on ourselves. We really do. And we're doing it in a system that isn't designed to support us doing it. That's exactly right. Yeah. We yeah. are in a system that expects us to work like we don't mm. have children and then be at home like we're not also meant to be earning a living. Yeah. yeah. It's just not – we don't have the village to support us doing that. Mm. So this something that I whinge about a lot because <laughs> <laughs> – um, so the, so I'm not soapboxing. Do you have any suggestions? Um, we're going off topic, sorry. But do you have any suggestions as a society? What do we need to be doing to stop that? Since, you know, it's society's expectations. We make up society. So what do we need to do? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we need to, you know what, we need to look at the value we have as mothers Mm. we need to really look at what we contribute what we do the importance of being a mother yeah because we we've taken on this superwoman role because we've almost forgotten the value of that and i hear it a lot when i um so whenever i meet people for interviews and that kind of thing um the first thing i'll say to people is tell me a little bit about yourself the number of times that i hear oh i'm just a mum oh you're just a mum like this is one of the hardest roles you possibly have there's no qualification for it there's no training for it you are doing everything with one hand tied behind your back half the time and you know these stages come complete you just think I've got this I think I know what I'm doing something comes and you think well I didn't see that coming (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, you gotta relearn again and you're just a mum Okay, or, you know, I hear other people, oh, I'm just a receptionist or I'm just a, you know, whatever that is. I really think, as you say, we need to, we need to honour what it is that we actually do. It, in whatever capacity. In whatever and capacity, yeah, whether exactly. you've birthed a child or not or you've got a project that you're working on, yeah. value what it is that you're doing in yeah. that space. Yeah, and we had somebody who was in a meeting last week who said, I'm just a receptionist. And I was like, Okay, we're just going to revisit that for a minute because you get that our organisation falls down without you, right? Yeah. So <laughs> there's no such thing as just a reception. So there's no such thing as just a cleaner or just a you know, whatever no. that is. We really need to take a moment and go, actually, everybody here has a valued role and our, our entire organisation, society, community, whatever it is, falls down if those roles aren't being fulfilled. Exactly right. And... How often would you hear a, a man go, oh, I'm just a... Yeah. It, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's no, such it a, really doesn't. <laughs> it's such a, a, well, a woman thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think the stats say something like men oversell themselves by a minimum of 33% yeah. and women undersell themselves by, oh. women, by a minimum of 33%. Easily. Easy. Yeah. And that's it. And I kind of look at it and go, I wonder who you're, who you're surveying because most women I know would undersell themselves by at least double that. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And just going back to what you were saying before about the, um, you know, we're, we're not given any training for mm-hmm. this. There are no qualifications. Mm. It is, and every transition is something new. Yeah. And I think we just need to give ourselves a little bit of kindness in that. Yeah. And understand that it's a thing. It's matrescence. It's learning if like adolescence you give teenagers space to mm-hmm. <laughs> to become who they are but we don't do that for mothers no. we don't give them the space to rediscover who they are now we don't give them the space to learn 
Mm. We just go, here's a baby. Now, can you carry on with life like you were doing it before, but Mm. just add a new title? And also, could you do it on bugger all sleep? Exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that'd be great. If you could put this tiny little person's needs totally above yours while continuing to do everything else that you were doing before. Again, no sleep. And if you could do it all with a smile on your face, making sure that you've got perfectly clean clothes and all of those ones. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things that leads to the huge amount of mother guilt that we hear about and experience all the time. Yeah, it really is. The the why does everyone else seem to have their act together, but I can't even get out of my pyjamas today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I will share with a lot of new dads as well, that actually... When you come home and she's still in the same pair of pyjamas and crying, but, you know, just because she did see a Huggies ad, um, they still set me up. Honestly. (laughs) Unconscious ads. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, Yeah, there's something about airports actually that get me going every time. Um, You know, when you come home and you find her there and there's a brown mark on the trousers that you're not actually sure what that is (laughs) or how long it's been there and when was the last time you showered? Well, it was Wednesday, but which week? That's normal. It is. So take the baby and then go, why don't you go have a shower? So not because you smell, probably don't mention that, but just so that you can have five minutes where you're not having to look after somebody else's needs. And, um, you know, and showering alone shouldn't be exciting. But it is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is, yes. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, when you see the, like, people going, oh, I'm so lucky. Like, this is my self-care. I got to shower alone. No, see, Bleh. that is not self-care. <laughs> not exactly. Just, we should just be able to shower alone. That's yeah. it. It is exciting, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be self-care. It no. shouldn't be. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, part of what I do as a postpartum doula mm. is giving mums the chance to have that self-care. Yeah. So for some of them, it might be I, you know, I really do help with whatever baby care they need whatever house practical stuff that I can support them with and others it is just let's sit and have a conversation as adults then you know what go and rest yeah I'll take care of the baby you go and do what you need to do Mm. so that you can come back again feeling some semblance of of normal yeah yeah Yeah. feeling like you've got a little bit of yourself there yeah and it's interesting because I um used to joke that one of the reasons that I came back to work after I had my children was to talk to an adult about something other than poo. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> do you find you still talk about poo a lot though? Yeah, as yeah a I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's so true. Yeah. yeah, just having a conversation that isn't just about the kids. Yeah. Because you don't – becoming a mum shouldn't be that's all you become mm. now. There is so much more to it. Mm. At the same time though, if you're the first person in your social circle to have mm. children – you actually need somebody to have that conversation about you poo do. with. Like, oh my God, is it supposed to be that colour? <laughs> like, it's frothy. Is that, is that normal? Is that normal? <laughs> yeah, it was Vegemite. It's yeah. not anymore. Yeah. And how many, I'm just with that, how many times do you hear, is that normal? Oh, all the time. Mm. All the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh, look, I would still be asking it of my my kids who are, you know, every, every, every phase stage, is new. Is that normal? <laughs> is that normal? <laughs> So, to, yeah, it is a completely normal question to yeah. ask, is it normal? And know that it's okay to ask, mm. is it normal? And probably, yes, it is normal. Yeah. yeah. But always good to feel as though you can ask that. Exactly right. Because I think yeah. there's nothing worse than not knowing, but feeling as though, 
well, it's a stupid question. Yeah. So I don't want to ask that because I don't want to look like an idiot. So there really are no such thing as stupid questions. No, there's really not. Not mm. when it comes to this parenting yeah. gig. Like, <laughs> there's really not. Yeah, chances are you're not going to be the first person to ask it. Which makes it not a silly question, Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and I think one of the things I struggled with the most with my first baby was that isolation that came with being a new mum yeah. and particularly because I was the first mm. of our, our of my close friends to have a baby. Yeah. So I didn't have that person to bounce ideas off or all of a sudden the social circle seems to disappear yeah. somewhat because you've now had a baby and you can't just drop everything and yeah. head out. So having someone around mm. to to be there, to be that company, to ask those questions of is so important and especially at the moment because there have been those issues because of COVID and everything that's happening with not being able to so a lot of the new mums groups used to be founded by the child health Mm. nurses and then because of everything that's happening we're not having that as much so you know there is that additional social isolation because we're not bringing new mums together no and it's so hard I mean it's hard enough to get out of the house yeah. <laughs> at 10 but o'clock on a Tuesday Tuesday morning, morning. Set time. <laughs> yeah. but it's important and once I, I found that once I started doing it it became the point of my week yeah like we would that's exactly every it. Wednesday morning mm-hmm. we'd go and meet as a mother's group and then we continued that on and we'd go and yeah. go to the library and go to rhyme time and do all those things yeah. together because it gave you that that connection that you just crave yeah yeah, yeah. no most definitely I think one of the things that can happen, so I most definitely found the same thing, but at the same time, you then, when all of your friends are mum friends, it really solidifies that idea that this is all that's left of my personality and all that's left of my identity is just being a mum. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, It's interesting to try and think, well, there's ways to, you know, to remember who you are outside of being a mum. That's exactly right. And that's something that I've, I've probably struggled with a fair bit as well mm. is trying to redefine, yeah. I guess, my identity um, in becoming a mum. Because, yes, I'm a mum and that's not going to change. I yeah. will always be a mum, but that's not all that I am. Mm. And I found what was important to me prior to having kids isn't the same as it is now. And yeah. I'm really having to, to find out who I am, mm. go on that journey of – I'm calling it rediscovery. Yeah. It's – um, and finding out what's important to me now. So it's making sure that I actually find time for mm. myself, find those little snippets in a day where it, it's about me and not everyone else in the house. That's it, exactly. Yeah. And and I often hear mums say, oh, it's selfish for me to do this or it's selfish to do. But it's really not because if you're not looking after you, who's going to look after everybody else when you've crashed and burned? Exactly right. We, You know, if you're in an aeroplane, they say, yeah, put on your, your own, own mask oxygen mask. Yeah, <laughs> they it. do so for a reason. Yeah. You have to be looking after yourself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And it's not selfish. It's almost selfish to not That's it. do it because, like you said, who's going to look after everyone else when mm. you crash and burn? Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably something that's really useful for new mums to hear as well. Mm. One is how important the role of mums are. And, and so oversharing, when, um, you know, for a lot of people, when they ask, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to have nightmares that I would accidentally become a nun and I wouldn't be able to have children. <laughs> I know, totally insane. Non-religious family. And I was so worried I'd accidentally become accidentally. a nun. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Just fall into that. Um, but because for me, that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be a mum. Mm-hmm. And then, so then, you know, when I did, I was quite young when I had my first child and um, 
I wasn't that young. I was, you know, but I was yep. quite young compared to society's expectations of how old parents should be these days. And people are going, well, what about your career? Well, yeah, great. But I actually want to be a mum mm-hmm. and that's okay. It it's is. okay to want to be a mum. Yes. It's okay to see that there's value in that and and to be excited about being a mum. Absolutely. Mm. And yeah, that it is okay and to look for those moments and appreciate them. And then, you know what, also know that on the flip side, it's not all going to be like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> you and can be a mum and have a career yeah. and have hobbies. Oh my goodness, imagine having a hobby. <laughs> And it's okay that if you don't love every moment, we've got such a, I don't know, rhetoric around you have to love every moment of Mm. being a mum, but no one loves every moment of everything they do. So, (laughs) My youngest child had food poisoning in the middle of the night during a power out a couple of nights ago. I can tell you that is one of my lowest points of parenting, (laughs) (laughs) trying to clean that up. By phone torchlight. It oh, was just no. oh. it was just hideous. It was so bad. And she's she's always had car sickness, so she's always yep. really good at aiming when she's unwell. That's good on her. She was sick the entire way down the hallway, past the bathroom where the toilet is, all the way through the dining area and out to the back door. Oh, oh that is it was just brutal. it was so bad. <laughs> so you know what? In that moment, I wanted to be anything other than a mum. Yep. <laughs> I wanted it to be someone else's responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> No one stepped up. No, (laughs) generally how it happens. But I think it's important that we say to mums, it's okay that you don't love every minute of it. That's it. It's okay to want a little bit of time for yourself. Yeah. To want a shower on your own. On your own. Go to the toilet without three kids knocking at the door or coming in or my three-year-old likes to sit on my lap when I go to the toilet. Oh, that's cosy. It's cosy. It's okay to want something for you because you are still you yeah that's it yeah and there are so many other elements other than being a mum absolutely so and it's okay to be all touched out oh so okay to be Mm. all touched out it is and I don't think we talk about that enough about what it what it is or what it means to be completely touched out yeah yeah you're right it's it's something I've still I've got three Mm. my kids are littler and they still just want touch yeah the whole time and, and that's tricky when you've got three there's only two arms the, the, it's really I, hard it is. Yeah. I, and I've often said I've got more than they call them my laps to sit oh, on yeah. the laps I've got more than one lap it's okay you can yeah. sit but I don't have three yeah um but by the end of the day some days I just don't want that physical touch but from my kids but you still need that connection yeah. and you still need that so it's it is a tricky thing to to try and balance but mm. it's okay to to not want it all of the time. All of the time. Yeah. That's it. Or it's okay to have just a couple of extra minutes in the shower with the door locked. Yes. So that you not you know, you are able to recharge and not have anybody that you're having to care for or cuddle or, you know, those kinds of things. Exactly so right. A couple of minutes where it's just, just. for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um I take a, an extra minute from strapping in the youngest into the car seat mm. to walking around to the yeah. <laughs> side take door. The long way the around. Long way around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because sometimes you just need a breather. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that's all it is, is just a few minutes on your own to breathe and mm. to have something that is just for yourself. And if you've got little ones who are taking up every moment of your day and they don't sleep or they're not feeding well, having something that is just for you is so important. So for me, some days it is just that walk behind the car, yeah. take a few deep breaths or maybe enjoy a cup of tea mm. and actually 
stop and enjoy it. Well, it might be cold, but I'll yeah, get there eventually. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> just enjoying something that is just for you yeah. and not for anyone else. And it's, um, so we have on our team here, we've got some people who have got some quite small children and we've got some people who have got older children. And I have to sort of remind the people with older children not to give unhelpful comments like, mm. oh, you'll miss these days when they're oh, older. Yes. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm visualising stabbing you in yeah. the eye. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, yeah, comments like that, really probably not helpful. Not helpful. Sleep mm. when the baby sleeps yeah. is so important. We know that, but you don't need to hear it when the baby's not sleeping. No, that's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. Enjoy every minute of it because it doesn't last. It's too hard. You yeah. can't. Yeah. That's it's exactly a it. really tricky thing to be. And yeah. it's generally said with the best intentions. Oh, it's always said with the yeah. best intentions, but that doesn't help at the time. <laughs> no. That's not when you've got a sleep-deprived, screaming baby in your arms. Yeah. And yeah. I was out at um, local shops and there was a very, very distressed child. And my mum, trying to be really helpful said um oh someone's not happy are they <laughs> and I was like really like the mum can clearly tell that the child's yeah. not happy how do you think that's helpful and she's like oh yeah <laughs> I said, instead tell her she's doing a great job oh, honestly the tell best thing you there. can yeah <laughs> the best thing you can hear I remember having almost just bursting into tears one day at the supermarket checkout because my well at the time two-year-old was a two-year-old who was just yeah. running everywhere and being generally two and I had my other two with me who were just wanting everything on the shelves and one guy stopped me and he just said you're doing such a good job just keep going and I almost just burst into tears on the spot I needed to hear it at the moment I probably didn't feel like I was doing a good job but someone else outside of me recognized the situation Yeah. yeah because we are so good at seeing what we're failing at oh yes and yet if it was your if it was your friend if it was your enemy you would be able to go yeah, but look at all these amazing things. Exactly right. Your children, they're fed. You know how you can tell they're fed? Because their food's all over their face. Yeah. <laughs> that shows that they're fed. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so your children are fed. They're with you. They are happy. They are loved. They are healthy. They're, you know, you are together. Look at all these things that you're achieving. Yes, their clothes don't match. Or Because with me, I wanted to have badges for my children that said, guess, guess what I dressed myself <laughs> today because <laughs> I didn't want credit for it. But, you know, they're... They're independent enough to dress themselves. Like how amazing is that? Rather than looking at the fact they've chosen mismatched clothes, can we go, yes, but you're raising independent children who can dress themselves. Exactly right. So why can we do that for other people and yet we can't do that for ourselves? Yeah, it's. I think it's a conditioning thing. I think we're so hard on ourselves, but it's one of those things that I say to everyone I work with, talk to yourself like you would your best friend. Mm. If your best friend was sitting here right now, feeling like you do in the situation you are what would you say to them yeah and just talking to our I call her the inner mean mama the inner (laughs) critic (laughs) what would you say to her yeah um if she was your best friend yeah and you know they say was it silence is gold and duct tape is silver just (laughs) duct tape that inner (laughs) voice up honestly (laughs) love that love that um so I've gone totally off track it's very unlike me sorry there's tangents (laughs) that go all over the place so coming back to the idea of being a doula, mm. what would you say is the, you know, the best thing about having a doula in the room with you when you're, when you're having a baby and then with you to support you during that postpartum period? 
I think the words with you just then summed it up. Like it's knowing that you've got someone who is with you, there to support you, who is not employed by the hospital system or um, you know, the birth centres or whomever. They don't have an agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, they are employed to work with you yeah. as, as the mum. So it's supporting whatever your decisions are. It's being there as someone to talk to and just bounce ideas off without forcing decisions or getting you to go down a particular path. But it is really bringing that village that we don't have anymore back to you, mm-hmm. but without the unhelpful advice from, you know, Auntie Joan yeah. or whomever. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, and there's an idea that perhaps people who are likely to have a doula is kind of, you know, it's a really hippy-dippy type thing. So what are your thoughts around that? I am probably the least hippy-dippy person you would meet. Mm, yeah. um, I am very much into evidence and research and I like to read into things before I go down a particular path and anyone who knows me would understand that I am not hippy-dippy in any way, <laughs> shape or form. Um, I'm also married to a math teacher who's very logical, analytical, you know, so you can see where this is all going. Um, but it's not about a particular birth path. Um, one of my last clients was a mum who had decided early on she wanted a caesarean mm. and that was the best thing for her. So then it was supporting her on that particular journey. Yeah. So it's not for a particular birth. It's not for a particular, um, this is how you have to have your baby. It is just for anyone who wants to feel supported, to have that c- continuity of support, which we lack in our, mm. our birthing system so greatly. And to have someone with you afterwards who can be there to go, it's okay. Yeah. You are doing a good job. And also I think to have somebody with you afterwards that's non-judgmental. So after I had my first child, um, it turned out that they'd accidentally sewn a whole heap of my insides into muscles that really shouldn't have been like that. And so when I mentioned it to the midwife that came out to the house, she's like, well, you clearly have a low pain threshold, don't you? And actually that's really not supportive. No. So really what we need is for someone to go, you know what, it sounds like perhaps maybe you might need to go – we had a, another woman who, um, when she had her last caesarean, she ended up with an infection. Now, what she needed was for, hus- for her husband to say, get in the car, we're going to the mm-hmm. doctor. What he said instead was, do you think perhaps you should go to the doctor? And she's like, no, no, I'll be fine, until she ended up on a drip and wow. hospitalised for three weeks afterwards, because, you know, yeah. um, having to have major surgery. So it's kind of that thing of going... Actually, I'm going to take that decision off you and I'm going to tell you that right now you need some extra support. Yes. And look, when, as a doula, we're non-medical. We're not mm. in the place to provide any form of medical advice, but we can go, here's where you should... Like, That's it. Here's where you can, can go, go for support. Exactly yeah. right. Here are the people who can support you. Yeah. And it's in a completely, like you said, non-judgmental way. Yeah. Your decision is your decision. Mm. I'm there to support your decision whatever that happens sometimes as mums sometimes as women we need somebody to step in there and go you know what you need some extra help here yeah and here are some places that you can go for that and men particularly when people have just had babies I don't want to upset her so (laughs) if she thinks that she doesn't then I'm not going to say anything but exactly right and it's I mean it's all in the the delivery of so Mm. to speak (laughs) (laughs) of that so it's not a um, this is not my telling you what yeah. to do, 
But when you're in the thick of it, when you're sleep deprived, yeah. when you can't think straight anymore, having someone say to you, here's a really something worth thinking about. Yeah. Let's try and get that happening. Mm, definitely. So um, before we wrap up for today, have you got any final thoughts you would like to share around, you know, anything really? <laughs> Just oh, this throw that be- open. Yeah. <laughs> this could go anywhere. <laughs> um, I think to anyone who's even remotely considering having a doula, having that extra support, really do look into it because mm. you can find the be- best person for you and mm. that's important as well that yeah. if you're considering hiring a doula interview them get to meet you know that's uh, it you're going to be spending potentially a lot of time with this person during a labor it needs to be a good fit exactly right yeah. so feel okay interviewing a, a whole bunch of yeah. people saying yes to the one that suits you and no to the the ones that don't mm-hmm. um but don't underestimate the i guess the power of having continuous support yeah through that pregnancy birth and postpartum period yeah it makes a difference fantastic thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and and your time and all of your energy with us today oh, thank really you appreciate it. thanks for having me Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.